Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a normal book club, except sometimes the author shows up, too. So with Nerdette Book Club, you know, we pick a book a month and we talk about it with a rotating panel. Our April book is Alexis Coe's You Never Forget Your First. And you can hear the panel discussion next Friday. But today's guest is Alexis herself. She's a historian. She was a researcher at the New York Public Library. And she worked with Doris Kearns Goodwin on a new History Channel series all about George Washington. And she is also the author of this new biography of George Washington, which is why we are talking to her today. Alexis, hey. Hi, thanks for having me. We are so excited to have you. So I want to start with just the title of this book because I think it is hilarious and amazing. Why did you decide to name a biography of our first president, You Never Forget Your First? You know, I didn't really make the decision. I just made um, one of many bad jokes that stuck. <laughs> yeah, I I, um, I have a tough agent, which is a good thing. It saves me from my bad ideas. And um He's, he's, you know, you have to really sell him on something. And I knew when I proposed uh, a new George Washington biography that would join a pretty crowded shelf, I had to sell him um, from the very beginning. And so you never forget your first was the subject of my first email to him about it. Um, <laughs> he's been my agent for a while. He was my agent on my, my first book, Alice and Frida Forever, uh, Murder in Memphis. And um and then, you know, the body, the, the email said, I'm talking about George Washington. <laughs> this is, I'm not pivoting to, to memoirs or personal essays. Um, yeah. And, and then we took it out as the working title, very, you know, in bold working title on the actual <laughs> proposal. Um, because I just couldn't find any, you know, I couldn't really think of anything. And I thought, okay, well, that gets people's attention. Why not? It, it shows them this is, this is definitely a different George Washington biography. Um, and then it just kept, I do a lot of, you know, speaking events and I'm on panels and, um, and it just kept getting tons of laughs. You know, they would get, they would say, you never forget your first dramatic pause, a biography of George Washington and everyone would erupt in laughter. (laughs) And at some point I wrote to the publisher and I said, you know, I think, I think this, this actually conveys what I'm trying to do in, in book form, you know, in, in this sentence. And she said, oh, yeah, no, this has been the official title for some time. Welcome to the club. <laughs> so careful oh, when you make bad jokes. I, I do it a lot. That. You called it a crowded shelf. Like there are many hundreds of biographies that have already written, been written about George Washington. Why does the world need another one? So I, um, as you said, you know, I'm, I'm a historian and I'm a 
um, a political historian, which means that I dip into the presidency quite a lot. I don't believe in this theory of great man history, that that one man dictates everything. But I do think you can't deny um, that a president or at least his administration is incredibly influential in America. And um, and so I, I, I like to read a few presidential biographies at once. This is something I learned in grad school. If you want to become a quick expert, you, you read, um, you know, two to three, maybe four books, and they're in conversation with each other. The authors huh. usually disagree. They have a strong opinion. I, that's a winning plan for most subjects and most people. But when I got to the end of George Washington biographies, I didn't, I almost felt farther away from him. And I felt like, are these men in cahoots? And they were always men. They were always white men from usually Virginia or the East Coast. Um, I'm from California. I'm, I'm a woman. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they, it just seemed like everyone took an oath. Like, okay, we're going to start out. We're going to declare him too marble to be real. And then we're going to end up by saying, you know, um, he, he did this great thing. He emancipated his slaves. Let's just fast forward through all those details. Uh-huh. And I just... I didn't get it. I didn't think it was true. And then I started just checking things like, how could they all be so consistent? Like, why is, why do we need any of them to have written these books in the last like hundred right. years? They're just going going to parrot each other. And um, story did not check out in the archives with a lot of people, particularly when it came to women <laughs> or people of color. Yeah. A lot of what you talk about, especially early on in the book is about George's mother and like the litany of just like loaded terms that former male biographers have used to describe Washington's mom. Yeah. And it's like shrewish. I mean, it's just all the worst words. Shrewish, you know, crusty. Um, (laughs) This and again, this is not memoir. We're professionals here. We're trained historians. So it just it seemed hinky to me. And um, it also seemed weird because there are presidents who um, their stories are very much based out of this this hard scrabble upbringing and and life that begins um, in deprivation, whether it's like Carter on his, you know, on his parents farm with his mother um, inviting hobos to stay because of the Great Depression or um, Barack Obama with his, you know, his parents divorce and his mother's remarriage. And um, I just it didn't to me that we talk about Washington as being raised by a single mother who who worked really hard in early America to protect her children and that she raised incredibly successful children not only her son who you know did some things we still know him <laughs> like it's a great American story far more than someone who was like destined to the presidency or you know was so mm-hmm. masculine like he overcame you know at times he couldn't afford to feed his horse Washington and his mother he's he's two generations away from an indentured servant like that is the story I want to hear that's far more interesting um but people really you know they want to protect this story of um of a man who's trying to escape a woman and this is almost always true it's not just with mothers in history it's it's with wives it's if there's a woman she's let's let's automatically think she's a shrew um and if we can't find evidence to support that let's lean on others who have made these declarations That's fine yeah that works yeah i think we can just assume that most women are terrible anyway it makes sense right yeah and i think that's the problem that you're getting at which is that um when history is written by one people in this you know one group of people in this instance white men um you don't get you get that they're only interested in military history and masculinity and greatness and, and, and 
they don't see things. And as Annette Gordon-Reed famously taught us in Jefferson Studies, we don't always know what we think we know. And we need diversity of opinions and new eyes and new experiences and for God's sake, some women, women and people of color. Yeah. So one thing you've talked about in other interviews that I think is really interesting and I had never really thought about in this context, but it's essentially what we've been talking about, except you call it the male gaze, Mm -hmm. which I had only ever really thought of the male gaze in the context of like men looking at and apprising women. Yeah, like ogling. Yeah. Right. And like assigning a value on a woman based on how attractive she is, because that's the only point of a woman. But I think the idea of the male gaze when it comes to sort of like valuating other powerful men is really interesting. And I think it ties into a term you use in the introduction, which is called the thigh men of dad history. (laughs) Tell me about the thigh men. The thigh men are actually historians. Um, They are Washington's past biographers. uh, And it's just the shorthand I created that ended up sticking. This is not like an official club or something. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Um, I guess it is now. <laughs> they're certainly, they're well known for their um, their membership, at least at this point. So I think that would be really sweet if they all got together. <laughs> that would make me very happy. You know, there is something about Washington that seems to um, inspire a lot of physical admiration. Uh, like, <laughs> like as if you're watching a sports game. And it's not that his body isn't like, to quote John Mayer, a wonderland. It's amazing. <laughs> but... It's not like not because of what it looks like. To be honest, if you look at portraits of him, I don't, you know, like us all as we age, things, yeah, gravity, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but they are like so into his body for the sake of it being a body. Whereas, like you think, let me check the cover. Is this a romance novel? And I, <laughs> I, I list them all, but go after Chernell the most because like he's the most famous he can take it I'm not hurting him the same way criticizing George Washington or like looking at his relationship with slavery is fine he can take it um and on and it's just honest and that's fine we should not apologize mm-hmm. for sticking to the facts but the Thymen, what was weird is they always started or ended or focused um like they were always centered by his thighs they loved them and they would comment on you know how he gripped a horse and how they looked but the weird thing is is like they didn't stop there and then they would say things like like Chernow would say you know and, and his jaw was so strong and muscles going in he, he would work his way down his body and it was like man like inappropriate <laughs> I and we would say this as you mentioned if, if someone said this about a woman like if they talked about I don't know Martha's heaving bosom I would I would mm-hmm. talk about it and I also think that by the way Chernow spends a lot of time talking about Martha's looks and he and he spends like pages and at the end he says but, you know, she was considered a beauty at her time. Okay, so why do we need your opinion, man? Like, yeah. this doesn't help us out. But so I started to call them the thigh men as like a general um, comment on these men who are so interested in masculinity and they just miss everything else. You know, they only see the forest for the trees kind of thing. Um I just, I, I needed some like term like great man history or like the male gaze or something like that to, to as like a placeholder. And so I put thigh men in brackets and um, all my second readers <laughs> kept taking them out of brackets and capitalizing <laughs> thigh and men. And then I, I thought like, oh God, this is, did I like 
inadvertently create a term. And I was a little bit nervous, but I thought I do really want, I'm introducing big concepts, right? I'm, I'm going over the historiography. I'm, I'm really making this like both an academic and a popular book. And so mm-hmm. I have to um, make it really approachable. So you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to, going to, you know, own Thymen. And to my great relief, not only did people love it and it made, it did disarm people, but like Washington's presidential library and my fellow scholars, they're, they're, they use it regularly as a term and now, and it's been pretty fun to see. Honestly, it's been pretty great. So I wonder what has reaction from the Thymen community been like? Well, so Mount Vernon, which is pre- which is Washington's historic home and pretty conservative, mm-hmm. they um, they asked for an early copy, and I thought they are Simon Central. Um, <laughs> this is this is certainly damage control, or they're going to like preempt me and come out with some oh, sort of attack. No. And then they invited me to spend the night and give a big lecture mm-hmm. in one of their fancy Ford series um, lectures, and it ended up being great. I haven't heard a a peep from the Thymen. I did write to Chernow because um, it just so happened that uh, around the time that I made the New York Times bestseller list, I, I, they published a, an excerpt and um, they just happened, of course, to pick the four of pages that, yeah. that focus on Chernow. And so many of the reviews and the media coverage had all sort of honed in on this. And I really, it was almost reading like that to find the book um, rather than sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted everyone to join me as an expert and the way to do that is to tell them everything. Right. Well, and it's more that I think that you're setting the tone of it. It's not like I'm going to dedicate the next 200 pages to taking down Ron Chernow. No. You know? And I even say I, I actually really like his writing. He's, he's good. He's just, you know, he doesn't. Um, I disagree with him. And I'm sure, you know, I know from reading his work, he disagrees with people, too. This is the way it works in history. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you have to say why you're doing what you're doing. Otherwise, if you love everyone who's come before you, why are you contributing? Um, right. And so I did write to him and I just said, look, I'm not goading you. Like, I'm not baiting you. I'm I'm sorry. And I do appreciate, of course, as we all do, Hamilton. <laughs> you know, he sort uh-huh. of wrote a very basic letter. Um, and I did not hear back, but I heard from insiders that he received it and it was appreciated. And I think Aww. that's fair. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, that is fair. The criticism has been minimal and generally from offensive people who I wouldn't trust on any subject. One thing I did see that I thought was interesting was that some people have accused you of being too irreverent in this book. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about that term specifically? Because I think it's a really interesting one. Well, it's funny because I think that they actually mean irreverent as a compliment. You know, it's constantly in reviews. It's like this irreverent, like breezy biography. Yeah, it's like fun and snappy. And Yeah, I wanted yeah. it to be something that both satisfies my peers and also attracts people who feel alienated by the genre. Because it, let's face it, presidential biographies are considered dad <laughs> history. You get them for your dad. They're on sale on Father's Day. They all come out around the same time. Um, and I, and that's just, that's not true. I think that's really, um, that's really, well, I think it's rude. But I think it's actually... Um, insulting to women and other people who who do like history and are very interested in the presidency. Um, but the funny thing about irreverent, even as a compliment, is it's pointing out that it's notable, right? And it's notable because it's rare. And I don't understand why we accept history that is reverent because that's that's fan fiction, that's hagiography. Um, that's not what we need to teach us. We need someone to responsibly present. Um, all different sides, good and the bad, right? Not demonize someone, not not also like laud them, but 
but to give us like a well-rounded person or at least presentation then let us decide for ourselves you know reverence is not something that we should accept in our history that's sort of like this idea of american exceptionalism and that's never been good for us it's never been good for any country it usually leads to their downfall more with alexis co in just a minute Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I forget what exact moment it was. It was kind of early on still in his origin story. Um, But I was like, oh, this dude is super bootstrappy. Yeah. He's like any president. He's ambitious. We say he was, he worked really hard. We have to remember that he, he felt entitled and denied because he was, his father died when he was young and he was the eldest child from the second marriage, meaning that his half brothers had been sent to fancy schools in London and, you know, their father had paid for their military service. You know, you, you paid to get in um, so that they would get good positions. That was a way to get ahead in life. And so he was pretty demanding as a young man. Um, He wanted to be at the center of his country's story, but um, it didn't really matter to him which country that was. So we shouldn't like... I think it's a good thing to imagine someone like Washington and the other founding fathers, many of whom were rich and owned plantations, either through inheritance or through hard work or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Washington was sort of a combination. He he always benefited from people dying in terms of wealth. Um, But, you know, they, they were reluctant revolutionaries. They weren't like Che Guevara's, you know, they were more like, (laughs) I can't, you know, they, they were, they, they were like, liberals who gave inspiring speeches and then got to office and kind of had to follow the rules. (laughs) I love that. That seems like a good way of putting it. So obviously, like you knew a fair amount about George Washington before you started researching for this book. Mm -hmm. But I wonder, like, is there anything along your you never forget your first journey that was particularly like surprising or exciting to come across? Oh, yes, totally. I mean, I knew a lot about the presidency as an office. I wouldn't say that I knew a ton about Washington because he's considered pretty vanilla. And now I blame his biographers. But um, (laughs) I wondered why so many biographers, um, you know, mischaracterized his his relationship with his mother. They made her seem so awful um, without sort of criticizing him. And when the truth was that, that like many of us, he could be um, a decent son on many days and on other days he could be a negligent one. He could um, put his own career and his own 
adult life first um, and could also get really annoyed with her. And I, I think we're all guilty of that pretty much all the time. <laughs> and certainly, I'm, I may be projecting, but um, it, from, from anecdotal experience, I can say that this is, this is true for me and everyone I know. And it's so funny that a lot of his contradictions still exist today, almost like we should look at them carefully and understand them in order to understand our, our world. <laughs> it's almost as if, yeah, yeah. Just, just you know, almost, yeah, just wondering out loud here. Alexis Co, author of You Never Forget Your First, thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So, are you already reading You Never Forget Your First? Don't forget, we want to hear from you, like right now. Send us a voicemail with your thoughts. Just record yourself on your phone and email that file to nerdappodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to get a head start on our May book, it is N.K. Jemison's sci-fi novel, The City We Became. The show is produced by me along with Justin Bull. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. Descent is patriotic, y'all. That's all I'm saying. Eh? Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.